I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Quick reminder that we are now accepting applications for our next coaching group. The topic is Project X, and the group begins Wednesday, April 13th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. This group is filling quickly, so if you are interested in joining, we encourage you to apply as soon as possible. We look forward to seeing you there. Cam, I'm really excited for this series of topics that we are about to embark on here in this show. We talk a lot about cultivating a practice. What's the practice? What can listeners take from this particular episode and employ? So we've been talking about practice for a long time, but we've never looked at practice as a topic unto itself and what it really means to cultivate a practice, not just around an individual topic, but as a different way of living and being, because that's really what we're helping our clients shift toward is embodying this practice mindset. Today, we're going to talk about practice at a high level. And over the next several episodes, we're going to talk about different ways that we help our clients embody this practice mindset and adopt practices that work for them where they are in the coaching. And I think the most important thing to say before we embark on this journey is, listeners, this is not intended to be a guidebook of if I adopt all of these practices, I'll be on my way. Take the practices that make sense for you where you are. Coaching at its heart is about creating a life that fits, but every client's in a different place. Some of my clients were still very much working on individual dilemmas. This dilemma over here, this dilemma over here. If that's where you are, take the practices that work for that dilemma, that help move you forward in some way. As we continue to do this work, we start to get this bigger picture of the who. We get away from the what a little bit and toward the who. And there's an opportunity there for a different type of practice. So all of this to say, take what makes sense for you where you are right now. These practices are not going anywhere. And don't be afraid to leave behind what simply doesn't work for you at all. Not every type of practice that we bring to the table is right for every person. And that's okay. Yeah, this is such a big area of coaching. So one of the things that we want to do here is share more of what we do as coaches. And um, I like to say to my clients, you know, there's 167 other hours in the week. And one of my beefs with the whole coaching industry is this focus on the magic of the coaching session, right? All this stuff happens in the coaching session. The coaching session is a fraction of the client's experience through the week. And there's a couple key elements here at play, these competencies that are in play in the sense of evoking awareness and cultivating learning and growth. And how does one do that, right? Talk is cheap. 
So we're discussing things, but we have to have a place to test some of this new thinking, these perspective shifts, a strategy, an action, a conversation with somebody, a way to test this. And I love how you put it, Shelly, is it's not just becoming competent in these actions or being productive. It's this idea of a practice mindset because ADHD can really throw a wrench in that arena, right? To have us kind of lock into a certain way of thinking. Yeah, and I think it's so critical that you bring up the other 167 hours in a week because oftentimes my new clients, our first order of business is to figure out how to link the work that we've done in a session to the rest of their week, how to cultivate a practice of being aware of the coaching work outside of a coaching session. And back it up one step further, podcast listeners who come to me as new clients are often experiencing a similar dilemma where so much of what they're hearing here on the show is making sense. It's resonating, yet they're not getting to a place where they're able to create and sustain change because they're not yet able to take what we're doing here and turn it into a practice. And on the flip side, the listeners who are able to take this show and use it as their coach and do their own work with it, what they're doing is practicing. They're employing that practice mindset. And in doing so, they're exercising this executive function area of the brain to be able to move back and forth between this reflective, contemplative, right? We're discussing these issues and then engaging an action to move from just a plan into the actual activity and back out again. We've talked about the three barriers of ADHD, right? It's that first one is to awareness. The second one is to action. And the third one is to learning. And so when we bring in practices We're exercising, building a way through those barriers to get into action and out, to go and have an experience and come back and share that experience regardless of what happens. And that last sentence is so important. This is why we intentionally use the word practice. In any given coaching session, when we design actions with a client, in any given podcast episode, when we suggest what you might do with that week's content, it's not about pass or fail. It's not about I did it or I didn't do it. It is about here is my new awareness or my learning or what I'm noticing. Here is how I want to apply that or attempt to apply it. And then going out and having your experience, whatever it is, good, bad, or ugly, there is learning to be had on the other side of that experience. To borrow a software term, coaching is very much an iterative process. It's not about 
the result from session to session, it's about constantly iterating. And then when we do find those practices that work, that we can cultivate some consistency around, looking for ways to add to or build upon that foundation. And so what starts is sort of a diffuse bit of work over here and over here and over here, over time starts to come together to create this bigger picture of change. It's a really cool thing to see. It is. I think one of the surprising elements for clients when they come to coaching is I need to engage more. Mm -hmm. They're thinking that the practice that has to happen is about, you know, getting into their task, getting into their day, having agency. And it's about, you're going to teach me how to step closer to it, right? And engage more. Well, actually one of the first practices that we teach or model in coaching, and we've been doing it all the way through this podcast, is the ability to step back, right? To step back and assess so then you can choose where you engage. So this is pause, disrupt, pivot is an example of this, to pause and disrupt and pivoting. Well, in there, there's a stepping back, to step back and to have perspective. And I think that, Shelly, this is a great little place to segue to of one of the key practices in coaching around perspective work. And so we'll head in that direction. I think this is one of these shifts where we're going to be in practices and this theme of practices for many episodes to come. So I'm as excited as you are. So here's an example that I like, and I'll share a metaphor for it is that when we're involved with something, when we're in our narrative, when we're in our story, when there's a crisis, when there's drama. In coaching, we talk about two locations. And just imagine a stage, right? A theater, a small theater in the round where you have the actors on the stage and you have the seats where the audience watches from. ADHD and emotional regulation We can have a sort of an intense experience around this drama, this event. And we are on the stage in the drama, feeling wronged, right? The injustice. And so that rejection is right here. Feeling the injustice or feeling badly about ourselves and spinning a story about who we are and how we're showing up here. Right. Two big points of drama for ADHD people. And we talked about in that series on context, how quickly we go to making meaning, right? From this experience, we're making meaning here. You can go back to those context episodes back in the fall of 2021 about how we can get carried away by that narrative, by that story. So we're locking into that narrative. And the brain wants to do is engage more, right? To keep going, to lock in more, to fight that fight. When in fact, taking a step back, we invite our clients to just take a step back from this experience and view it from a distance. Be a spectator in a chair in the 10th row of the theater. To look at this from some distance with curiosity. And when you do that, something fascinating happens. 
right? If you can start to separate from that personal, very personal experience, you can have a perspective shift to see yourself and how you're engaging in that dynamic, whether it's something that's a personal relationship or something happening at work. And we've used so many examples of this over the last two years where we'll share these client scenarios. So to pause and in order to disrupt that is to step back and look at it from a distance with curiosity. That's the number one practice we invite our clients to employ through the week early on. I think we've mentioned keen observer, right? So starting to develop that keen observer because you really can't facilitate positive change in that defensive crouched, I'm sorry, your words, defensive crouch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. In that defensive crouch, when you're under attack, it's really hard to be thinking about creative solutions or how can we come together, right? We are in a defensive posture, defending our position. And so if we can relax a little bit, breathe, come back and look from a distance. This is a wonderful practice to start to develop. And it also helps to, again, take the foot off the accelerator, to step back and assess, look around, consider and weigh before you come back and engage again. There's an example of a general practice that Shelly and I and most coaches bring to coaching. Cam, what's really interesting is looking at this list of 10 at least practices topics that we plan to bring over the next several episodes. They're all about creating a pause or a moment or some awareness as an opening to perspective shifting every single one of them. And so the coaching session itself is one way that happens. And early on, inviting our clients to employ that keen observer. But as we do deeper and deeper work with our clients, they start to cultivate things that work for them. For example, for me, mantras. We've done a couple of episodes around mantras that work for me. We're going to do another episode around mantras as a practice. But that mantra of let it be easier, let the easy things stay easy is a disruptor. It's a pause moment when that story of overwhelm starts to come in. That story of panic or that story of disappointment in myself that I've let the dishes pile up yet again, which by the way, right now they are. It's a way to take a moment to take stock. So mantras don't necessarily work for everyone, but they do work for me. So the deeper we get into this work and the deeper we get into this episodes, we're going to be starting with what's the universal work of developing the keen observer and just learning what it looks like or feels to be aware of your experience in a different way some ways to do that work fairly universally in our experience, and then diversifying out 
diversifying out to what works for the individual and also diversifying out to some higher level perspective work because coaching is perspective work at every level. Cam, a few episodes back, you talked about discovering that educator. And we got back on that theme. That was perspective work, but it was really high level perspective work, perspective work about the who. And until some of that what got addressed and made way for that perspective work, and until you had some practice by addressing some of that what to be able to apply perspective work to the who, you wouldn't have been able to get there, right? It's not a process we can shortcut. So it's both a process that becomes more individual, but also becomes bigger, becomes less about what's the dilemma, what am I not attending to? And over time becomes more about who am I? And not in that woo-woo, who do I want to be? Right. But really, who am I? What matters to me? And what does a life that fits look like for me? I love that right there. So well said, Shelly. And listeners, you can sort of think, oh my God, this feels like a lot. And I would say you might be having an additive perspective, which is something I see with my clients sometimes. It's like, oh my goodness, I've got to add this and add that and add this and adding more. I have limited bandwidth already. How am I supposed to keep adding all these practices? And what Shelly's talking about is it's really about a folding in. It's an integrating, that you integrate elements. And as she said, it's being discerning to pick and choose what works for you. And also, we're talking about in our coaching, you don't need a coach to develop the keen observer. You don't need a coach to develop that muscle to pause and step back. So this week, oh, Shelly's got her finger up. (laughs) Go, Shelly. I do have my finger up, Cam. Thank you for noticing. Finally. (laughs) Wait. I've been practicing there, Shelly. I've been practicing. You have been. Yes. Full credit where credit is due. Yeah. There was a time where I could have all the fingers up (laughs) and be very emphatic. And Cam would just be floating away on his idea train. Um, Cam, first of all, appreciating that statement that you don't need a coach. I think one of the coolest things that we get to do in our work around this podcast is our group coaching. Because our group coaching is full of people who have already been doing their work with the show. And so we get to meet them where they are on a journey that they've already started. And that is so fascinating and amazing to see. Both the commonalities in how our listeners are interacting with the show and the places where they diverge, the places where it begins to become individual. And so I think it would be helpful. We frame this in terms of coaching work because we're coaches and that's what we know. So I think it would be helpful to kind of walk through what this ends up looking like in the life cycle of a coaching relationship with a client over time. So they come... And they're often in that freedom from perspective. These are the behaviors I want to be free from. 
And there's often very little ability to be aware in a useful way. So that's where our work starts. Getting the client articulating within a coaching session, helping them learn how to be curious and to bring that keen observer out in between coaching sessions. And doing this by taking one discrete little dilemma here and one over here and one over here. And Loki, my client who is the researcher who struggled to record data on site, he would tell himself this story that, oh, I'll do it later when I'm at home on the couch, knowing full well that was never an experience that panned out for him. Great example of a discrete little topic where we get to practice and dig in and do some awareness work. But guess what? The more we tackle this discrete topic and what has our attention here and what's timely here, the more we start to see a bigger picture. For that same client, Loki has come up again and again because there's a knowledge and a knowing there that wasn't there before. So that language around this other voice that isn't him that is so compelling is really useful context as we examine other dilemmas. And guess what? Not every dilemma is Loki or the Loki phenomenon. But even throwing that context in is a way to be curious. Is this a Loki situation or is this something else? And recognizing that for that client, trying to figure out what that voice is, if it's not Loki, who is it? is a really helpful way of cultivating awareness of him being able to understand what's really going on in his uniquely wired brain. So you can see how it starts as a very standard set of practices that work for every client, but then it builds both in terms of individuality, who the person is, how their ADHD manifests, what their modality preferences are, what type of language they bring when they're articulating their experiences. Is it about how they feel? Is it about how it looks? Is it about what other voices are present? Is it metaphor heavy like Cam? Is it not so metaphor heavy like me? And it becomes this bigger knowing these threads that keep showing up, these practices that have worked in this area that we can pull in here, this way of evoking awareness that worked on this dilemma that might apply here that starts to create this bigger picture. And so in the next several weeks, as we break down different practices, we're going to start with perspective work, a deeper dive on that, and verbalizing the two that we find to be nearly universal in our coaching work. And then we're going to spread out into things that are more individual. And that's again where I say, pay attention to what resonates, to what makes sense with your context, to what adds useful context as you're trying to cultivate awareness around a dilemma and leave the rest. Because it's not intended for you to employ every one of these practices. You know, Cam, the way you and I evoke awareness about our own ADHD challenges, very different because we're different people. We use different language. We make meaning differently, but to the same end. And that's the important thing. So you talking about your client with Loki had me thinking about 
a client recently. And I think this is kind of leads us to a possible practice for our listeners as we finish up today. So last week, we talked about emotional modes, locking into a mode. We can do the same thing with a mindset. We can kind of lock into a certain way of thinking about something. And so your client had Loki, who was sort of an advisor there, kind of advising him on what to do and how to act. And it's just sort of, again, this voice that's there in the background that we're just listening to and not really paying much attention to. And for that client, the reason he chose Loki in particular was that trickster element, that knowing somewhere in the back of his mind what the outcome was going to be. And he was not going to be happy with this decision. But in that moment, that voice being so compelling, it felt like he wasn't able to make a different choice. Right. So, you know, humans, we do what is compelling, right? We listen to compelling figures. And this is something you can do. I had a client who runs an architecture firm and she was coming with, I can't get my own work done, right? I'm distracted. I'm bored with my stuff that I have to do outside of the project work, the actual creative work. And as we dug in, we realized that there was a character in play. There was this sort of this persona that was constantly monitoring and assessing all the time. She's one of those fast brains, right? Super fast brain, cycling through, wondering if her people are working, are they being efficient? Does she need to reach out to a client? And it's this constant assessing. And the compelling piece of that monitor was, you need me, you need to be vigilant all the time. That was the compelling argument to keep that monitor always going. Well, guess what? Having that monitor on a constant cycle didn't allow her to settle down and work on the work that she had in front of her. But when she started to see, and kind of, again, just this gentle questioning to step back and look at the monitor and see how it showed up, it's like, you know what? This monitor really isn't serving me. And what she did was just sort of like direct it to the beginning of the day. You know what? You can assess at the beginning of the day, help me generate a list of things to prioritize, and then I'm going to give you the rest of the day off. Because that kind of high level of attention, she didn't need that. And it was actually a huge distraction in her work. But that's this reflective practice to kind of come in and step back notice, kind of see, again, the drama on the stage and step back and look, and then come in and address it or engage with it in a different way. And now she's got this monitor working for her, not against her. Cam, just want to chime in that the second piece here is after that new awareness of Loki, of the monitor, is being able to connect back to that, to remember that, to pause and name Loki, name the monitor, to disrupt that behavior and pivot. The awareness is absolutely the most important piece, knowing something we didn't know before about our experience, but the perspective work doesn't end there. And again, several of the practices we're going to dive into really come into play not at the awareness stage, but at the disrupt stage. 
that's where my mantras often live. Sometimes they're about awareness, like, okay, step back and don't freak out. You have a mantra for this. Let's come back to awareness. But as a regular practice for me, they live in the area of disrupt, right? Sort of noticing that voice that says, ah, you can do the dishes later and pulling in, let the easy things stay easy as a disrupt, as a reminder, as a connection to, hey, there's a different outcome on the other side of this that works out much better for you than letting these dishes sit. So there's a compelling reason to engage with this activity. It's about connecting to that knowing that we so often forget in the moment when we would dismiss, I'll do them later. My mantras help me connect to that knowing of, I'm going to be much happier with myself and with this situation if I take five minutes and do this now and don't let it turn into an awful task, if I let the easy thing stay easy. So it's just so interesting as we really dig into perspective work, again, from the universal to the individual, from discrete dilemmas to creating a life that fits. And where does this practice fit into the model of pause, disrupt, pivot? Those are things that we will be paying attention to each week as we bring a different potential practice for you to consider. And I so appreciate you bringing in the time element around Loki and the monitor, right? Your client, it wasn't like he identified Loki and then disrupted and pivoted on that, right? There was a period of that pausing and noticing and that awareness piece that my client with monitor, she didn't just flip that switch on that monitor. That monitor was like under threat, right? They dig in. And so it's that staying with the curious perspective to kind of notice it and don't think that you're going to just necessarily dislodge it this week. Just sort of notice, is there a perspective or a mode that you're in that may not be working in your favor, right? Just to notice it, kind of be curious about it, back to that keen observer to see what it responds to. And then as we go forward, we'll talk more about how to disrupt right? How to pivot, but start with that awareness thing and bring tremendous self-compassion because the other thing we can do is, oh, there's that monitor, there's that Loki, you know, and then feel bad about it that we're having, you know, seen that. No, all awareness is good here. One last thing I want to toss in, Cam, on the statement, all awareness is good. And we'll get more into this, particularly in the episode on verbalization, is that it's okay to be wrong. When you evoke curiosity, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to think that it's this and then to dig deeper and realize that it's something else entirely. That what you thought it was, that how you thought this was manifesting isn't what it is at all. So I think that's so important to bring into this conversation now. And again, we'll discuss this more at length in verbalizing because I think that's one of the places that it's most important to remember that. But it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to not know. It's okay to kick something around and see if it's true for you or not. And if it's not, that's okay too. Guess what? The more you do that, the more context you're adding to what it is you're grappling with. 
And the more context you add, even if it's by way of figuring out what it's not, the clearer you will get over time. So don't go into this thinking, I got to be able to name it. I got to be able to know what it is. I got to get this awareness thing right off the bat. Try something on. Is this it? Take that into your week. Observe it. Is this it? Is it not it? Is there more to it than this? You know, Shelly, that right there is just a beautiful definition of a practice mindset. Yeah. And there's this sort of flexibility and it's about agility, right? Being able to kind of move with it and not try to get it right. Absolutely. Well said. And a great place for us to pause for today. So if you like what we're doing here on the show, three big ways you can help us out. You already know what they are, but I'm going to say them again anyway. The first is don't keep us a secret. Share us on social. Share us with the other neurodivergents in your life. If you have a neurodivergent support group at work, share us there. Number two, leave a rating or review wherever you listen. Reviews help other people find the show. They help other people know what's different about our show as compared to other ADHD podcasts. This is a big one and we so appreciate. We know the wall of awful that can exist around posting those reviews for people with ADHD. So thank you to every one of you who has taken the time to do that. And if you can find a way to make that one happen, we would so appreciate it. And finally, you can support the show financially by becoming a patron. Our patrons cover the costs of running the show 100% and have allowed Cam and I to employ some critical supports by way of our editor and our assistant. This is huge because this means that Cam and I can continue focusing on making this show amazing and how to grow translating ADHD in other ways to give you all other opportunities to interact with us and do this work and form community. To become a patron, visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, not only are you helping cover all of those costs and enable this work, you also gain access to our Discord community where our listeners are working together to do their own understand, own, and translate work. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was the Translating ADHD Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.